glory to God. Chapter 1 The Wilderness of the Red Sea Hemmed in the long way around. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines although it was near. For God said, lest preadventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18. This is a day of fastings, fast foods, fast trains, fast cars, fast planes, fast pleasures, fast communications. But God's way into the life of the Spirit is still the long way around. Many do not think so, and there are many in the church who deride the thought of exercising patience in order to win the race that is set before us. Let us run with patience. May sound a little contradictory to a man in the race, but it remains God's way of winning the race that is set before us. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 God direct growth to Canaan life is a long way around. There may seem to be a shorter way, a more direct way, and many continue to explore that road only to end up rolling in the dust. God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Now the word Philistine came from the word came from a word meaning to roll in the dust, to wallow. And though it is a well-beaten pathway as it was in the days of Israel, and though it was seems to lead in a more direct road to the land of our inheritance, it will leave the one who traveled this road wallowing in the dust. And why? Because there is nothing in common, common with the way of the Philistines and the way of God. The Philistine, the Philistine spirit is the spirit of the world, of the natural man that knows nothing of the spirit of God. But because it is a well-worn pathway and because it seems to be leading in a general direction, of our pursuit for God, it is enticing to the natural mind. It is the logical approach to the things of God. It is the positive, it is the positive, the more direct approach to the things is spiritual. But it leaves you wallowing in the dust of the old Adamic life rather than soaring into the heights of the Spirit of God. You do not have to take that long, uncharted, entangled way into the things of God. We can show you a simpler way, 
we can point you to a shortcut you uh, you can know the joy of Canaan living without all the distress of becoming entangled in the wilderness this is the reasoning and the counsel of natural mind but the fact remains we did not choose the wilderness way we simply choose to go God's way it is he who goes before by day in a pillar of cloud and by night in the pillar of fire to give direction and light for the journey it is by the light of his glory that we find ourselves entangled in the wilderness he leads us this way that he might have all the glory and that all our enemies might be consumed in the very midst of our own perplexity and dismay for it is only when we find ourselves hemmed in with no place to go that we are inclined to go to God for help this is why he hemmed us in he hems us in that we might flee into his, into his arms God knows the enemy will say they are entangled in the land the wilderness had shut them in Exodus chapter 14 verse 3 And so God deliberately set a trap for the enemy by bringing us into that, into that place where we had no other recourse but in God alone. As long as there is a room for the heart and mind of man to calculate and plan his own deliverance, God is left out of the picture. We don't really need him. Also we think if we are followers of the cloud God will lead us into areas of utter hopelessness and despair that we might prove him to be the God who makes a way where there is no way and a path in the mighty waters the way is in the sea and thy path in the great waters and thy footsteps and thy footsteps are not known Psalm 77 verse 19 The Lord which make a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters Isaiah chapter 43 verse 16 People of God beware of the shortcuts There are many that are that are offered by this day and age shortcuts to true spiritual life and progress but they will not bring you there you may try to find an easy way into spiritual gift and blessing you may learn how to get and how to operate spiritual gifts the easy way without total commitment without waiting upon God but sooner or later they will fade away You may think you have discovered a secure and safe covering in some church structure or institution assuring yourselves that you are being spared the pangs of finding your own way in the entangled wilderness of life 
you feel that if you trust in a certain leaders, in certain apostles and prophets, in certain New Testament church order, that is a much safer, much easier pathway. But sooner or later, you are going to discover that the rest and comfort you sought in shelter areas of this nature are nothing less than the bandage of Babylonian Babylonian systems and you will discover that this is far more distressing and more captivating than the way of the Lord from which you sought to escape when you see the war of the Philistines the striving for lordship the striving for power and authority and for a place of preeminence your hearts will become discouraged and you will wonder why you ever choose to walk in that kind of a pathway if we would examine our hearts you might discover that what we are really looking for is some kind of a religious system that will make it easy for us or for our children. We want to shrug off the heavy burden that is associated with finding God for ourselves by way of total commitment to Him. So when someone offers us a place of rest in some in some kind of a structure that promises clear direction we are quick to grasp it god does god does wants us to have fellowship with one another in christ but there is no true fellowship except as we walk in the light and in our searching after god there is no such thing as immunity to the trials and struggles and heart searching and perplexities that have always been the appointed lot of any man or woman who seek to come into the living vital relationship with the lord the bones of joseph and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he has straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. Exodus chapter 13, verse 19. Surely it would matter nothing to Joseph as to what happened to his bones. This would pose no problem to the God of resurrection life, whom he served while he was alive. But in the bones of Joseph, God would provide for that generation yet to be born a living witness to the faithfulness of the covenant-keeping God. Joseph in his life was a testimony to the faithfulness of God. A living testimony that the roundabout way through the wilderness 
was God's direct road to the land of fruitfulness. He had proved and manifested to the people of God that in obeying Him and holding to the vision that God has given, this was God's direct highway to the throne. But Joseph has been dead about 360 years. And the generation about whom Joseph prophesied when he said, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from thence. From hence, Genesis chapter 50 verse 25. That very privileged generation that Joseph spoke was about spoke about was now alive and given the privilege and the opportunity of walking in the visitation that God has promised. He who was a living testimony to the faithfulness of God in his life was now a living testimony to the faithfulness of God in his death. His very bones bore witness to the faithfulness of the God he served. Everywhere they will travel the people of God has a living witness in the presence of the bones of Joseph. For Joseph has prophesied that this day of visitation would come. Everywhere they would travel in this waste and howling wilderness. Joseph was there with them encouraging, confirming, prophesying, declaring the faithfulness of God. I said this was going to happen. I told you God would be faithful to deliver you. I prophesied that God would bring you to a land of fruitfulness. Do not lose heart now. I proved when I was alive in that in true season, the God who gave the vision would be faithful to fulfill it. Let, let not the weariness of the way, the heat and the drought, the scorpions and the fiery serpents of this desert land cause your heart to murmur and complain. He, he is faithful that promised, and He will do it. It is not strange how we can carry around us the bones of a dead prophet and still not believe what the prophet said. Is it not strange that we, that we can idolize God's chosen ones of a past day and build, the, and build their sepulchers and yet not pay heed to the word that they that they spoke when they lived. Time and time again, we are going to witness unbelief and failure in the people of God. And yet, all the while, they were carefully preserving the bones of Joseph and carrying them from one camping place to the next, a persistent reminder to them of God's utter faithfulness and of their own unbelieving hearts.
and of their own unbelieving hearts. Baptism in the cloud. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Exodus chapter 14 verse 19. Their entanglement in the wilderness was very grievous to them. But God led, led them this way for His own glory. One of the most glorious facts of the whole wilderness episode was the fact of God's faithfulness in the hour of the unfaithfulness of His people. Their hearts were smitten with fear and unbelief when they saw themselves entangled in the wilderness with the host of Pharaoh pursuing them and they cried to Moses because there were no graves in Egypt hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness Exodus chapter 14 verse 11 but God knew what he was doing suddenly the pillar of cloud which has been leading the way moved from the front of the host of Israel to the rear, passing through the host and immersing them in the cloud of glory. He who was their guide was now their protector and their defense against their enemies. His glory became their light throughout the darkness of the night, and that the same glory became darkness and night to the enemies of God. We need to remember these principles in these days when fear has taken hold of all the inhabitants of the earth. When all about us is darkness and night, God said it would be that way and He promised moreover that it would be in the very hour of darkness that His glory would shine forth upon His people. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee and His glory shall be seen upon thee. Isaiah 60 verse 2 Baptism into the cloud of His presence and of His glory. The people of God shall radiate the very light of God Himself. Not only that, but the light in which they dwell and in which they walk shall make them to be totally triumphant over all the powers of darkness that shall engulf the world about them. Why do some people imagine that there is a safe hiding place somewhere up there in space, especially in this space age. Our hiding place is in God alone, in His glory, and His glory shall be our defense, and the only defense we need. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of the Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night for all, for upon all the glory shall be a defense 
Isaiah chapter 4 verse 5. The Song of Moses. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and, the, and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Exodus chapter 15 verse 1. It was a song of victory, a song that bore witness to the faithfulness and the wisdom of God who had led them into the wilderness entanglements. If we could only recognize this, if we could only know that God has ordained a song of triumph for every wilderness entanglement. What hope and assurance it would give us as we tread the unknown way if we could only know that every entanglement in our walk of faith is intended of the Lord to bring defeat to our enemies. What hope and courage this would inspire in our hearts. And then, when God proves His faithfulness in swallowing, swallowing up our enemies in the Red Sea, what hope and confidence this ought to give us for the next phase of our wilderness testing and trial. For let us be assured, this is but the first phase of our spiritual journey into the heart of God. There are many, many more. How many? Some would ask. And the answer is, just as many as it will require for God to tame our wilderness nature and to till and cultivate the soil of our hearts. Just as many as God many deem necessary to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah concerning His people, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them and the, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 1. For let us never forget this, that the wilderness through which we are journeying is a spiritual journey into the heart of God. And it is through the wilderness area of our own natural and carnal hearts that God is leading us into a place of rest in the bosom of God. How then can we say, Lord, leave us alone? We have had enough of the wilderness and the solitary place. If we still know not the rejoicing of, our, of the desert and the blossoming of the rose in our lives, do we really want God to leave us where we are, redeemed from the bondage of sin and the world, but still very much in captivity to the bondage of our own fleshly natures? 
And is it not a matter of great disappointments to us when we discover upon forsaking the world and its bondage that we are still very much in bondage to our own selves, our own hearts, our own ways? How hopeless and helpless we feel when, having known what it is to be redeemed by the blood of the Passover lamb, we discover that we are still languishing in areas of captivity to self, to the carnal mind, to the ways of the flesh. And how wonderful it is when we discover that God hid a lot of this from us and allowed us to consolidate our position on the redeemed side of the Red Sea before He began to deal with the wilderness areas of our own lives. And so, the Song of Moses, and this is something that so few seems to recognize, gives hope and confidence for the land of Canaan fruitfulness, even as it exults in the God who destroyed Pharaoh and his host. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which, which thou bear, in the place, O Lord, which thou bast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. Exodus chapter 15, verse 17. So, it is that we must pass through the Red Sea of the baptism as outlined in Romans 6, then through the wilderness of conflict with the self-life in Romans chapter 7, and into the glorious liberty of the mountain of his inheritance in Romans 8. The solitary place of Romans 7 gives way to the corporate expression and the corporate inheritance of Romans 8. The I, myself, and me of Romans 7 as the renewed man of God struggles against that tide of his own carnal desires is rendered and swallowed up in the victory of the people of God in whom he dwells in the corporate fullness in his own sanctuary, his own, his very own inheritance. No longer it is the untamed wilderness of selfish, fleshly striving, but now it is the cultivated and fruitful land of God's own garden, weeded, tilled, and ordered and cared for by the great husbandman to be the garden and the inheritance of his own delight and pleasure. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son 
in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemn sin in the flesh that the righteous that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit Romans chapter 8 verse 2 to 4 I am confident that as we come into this realm of abiding fullness in Christ that it is going to be just as easy just as simple just as natural and spontaneous for us to walk in in the spirit and to abide in his presence as it was in former days to walk into the entanglements of our wilderness life and in the bondage of the flesh do we question this then we are saying in effect that in our fleshly striving we are able to produce more power and energy that the spirit of god can we are confessing that the law of sin and death is really greater power than the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Glory to His name. In the next episode, we will read the chapter 2. Uh, glory to God. A testimony. It was in the year 1985 when I learned Jesus in a biblical way. I got born again and I'm so in love with my Savior so even in my baby stage I entered a full-time ministry without knowing the implications of serving Him. March 1986 I got married to my co-worker who is also a full-time minister and that is the trouble begins not in my marriage but in the ministry our elder advised me to get a job to support my newly stalled family I was so devastated knowing in my heart Uh, I was called into a full-time ministry so I was forced to look for a job broken broken filled with bitterness thinking I was a victim of the leadership in the church but in the long run I realized that I was victim of my own selfish desires and and in my own carnality in the midst of my situation when I almost backslided a missionary gave me a book entitled family of God and a way through the wilderness It's written by George Warnock which I considered my mentor my spiritual father 
I grabbed the book and went through its pages. And as I read it, together with the Bible, it changed my heart the way I perceived the ministry. And I found freedom. So I want to share this book to all my brothers and sisters who are also struggling in the ministry. So as finding the ways of God while experiencing life in the wilderness, they will also find peace and liberty. Glory to His name. I will share this book by reading it, believing that being blessed by this book, some souls will be ministered by George Warnock writing and ministry. So, this is the beginning of the book, A Way Through Wilderness by George Warnock. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Introduction In this writing, we want to explore the wilderness area through which the children of Israel had to travel. As they came out of the land of Egypt and made their way towards the land of Canaan, the land of promise, the land of fruitfulness. Our purpose, of course, is to discover the way of the Lord for us, for what happened to them, though very literal and very natural, what was but a picture and shadow of our walk with the Lord. As we too seek to come away from the old life of sin and bondage and enter into a fruitful walk with the Lord, in all the way that they traveled and in all the experiences which they had to endure by the leading of the Lord, they were enacting a pattern of conduct that would be recorded in Holy Scripture as an example and type of God's people today not that we so not that we are supposed to follow their example but to learn from it for it is clear that they utterly failed the Lord in many many ways so that the first generation of the redeemed people did not enter the land of promise nevertheless in their conduct in the wilderness God was actually providing a picture for us today so that we might learn from their mistakes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, it says, Now these things were our example to the intent we should not last after evil things as they also lasted. And the Apostles goes on to enlarge upon this by describing the many calamities that came upon the people of God because of their idolatry, their immorality, their tempting of Christ, and their much murmuring. Then he tells us that all these things happened to them 
as a warning warning example and as an adm- admonishment to us so that we would not fall into the same tragic things that they did and so their journey through the wilderness was not intended to be a pattern for you and I to follow but a warning to God's people of the dangers that accompany the wilderness life and God's provision for making us to be an overcoming people. We are to learn from their experiences and so avoid making the same mistake they made. But we are slow to learn from the mistakes of another. Human nature is just that way. Usually, we have to learn the hard way. But as we do, it is good that we can look into the scriptures and into the wilderness episode and discover God's faithfulness in and through it all and His pattern of deliverance for unerring people. We too are on a journey. It is good if we can recognize that we have not been redeemed just to cross the Red Sea and to sing the victory song of deliverance from the bandage of Pharaoh. This is but the first step. It is but the beginning of a journey, a spiritual journey through the wasteland of our old carnal nature and into the fruitfulness of the Canaan life of the Spirit. And so Moses reminded the people, he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 23. The wilderness then becomes the place of preparation and the place of transition as we relinquish the old life of fleshly bondage and enter into the realm of our spiritual heritage. It was never intended of the Lord that we should linger all our days in the captivity to the wild and pain to the wild and tame nature of the old life but in and every resting place that God has ordained on this journey from Egypt to Canaan we are to learn more and more of Him and allow Him to make in our wilderness nature a garden plot for the sowing and the planting of the good seed of the Word of God that He Himself might be glorified in the fruit of the Spirit that He desires to bring forth from our lives. Therefore, let us learn to see the journey in this light. As we do, we will understand and appreciate the grace of God that brings us step by step through the tangled maze of life. 
we ourselves are that wilderness. Our own fleshly natural lives are the wild untamed areas that God is dealing with and when we recognize this may we find grace to stop blaming God and murmuring against Him when we come into the fretful and disagreeable circumstances. Why do you do this to me, Lord? It is for my discipline and for His glory that He does it. I needed it. Otherwise, He would not have allowed it. In that grievous circumstance that God allowed, He was merely revealing the wild, untamed nature that was there in my old life for the purpose of dealing with it and bringing forth the attributes of his own heart and the murmuring and the complaining that we manifest simply reveal how deep rooted the old life really is and how slow we are to recognize it in other words God intends that every situation that he brings us into will into will serve as a graving tool a chisel a refiner's fire that will change us transform us and consume those carnal desires that are hindering the flowing of the life of Christ through us and retarding our growth in the spirit in the journeys of the children of Israel there were several wilderness areas through which they must pass and each of these areas God has something specific in mind as he sought to prepare their hearts for the inheritance that lay before them God must have a prepared people for that prepared place he does not trust us thoughtlessly into some disagreeable circumstance in order to harass and torment us it is rather to prepare us for the life of victory and of fruitfulness in the realm of the spirit it is our reaction to God's dealing with us that brings us such desolation and turmoil to our hearts and minds. What assurance and what hope this would give us if we could only recognize that in every devastating experience of life, God is simply preparing our hearts for great conquest and fruitfulness in the days that lie ahead in the heritage of Canaan and if we are prepared to truly recognize this wonderful working principle principle in our lives we are going to discover what God meant when he said I go before you to search out a resting place for you